We're in a series called Travel Pack, and this is message number two. I'm hoping these selective messages will fill you up with what you need for the journey in 2022. Last week, we talked about how to be prepared for the enemy's attacks, uh, that we need to know our covenant with God. We need to know what that is. We also, within that covenant, we talked about needing to follow the voice of Jesus, that both the covenant that we're in and the voice of Jesus is, is an active thing. It's in real time uh, because Jesus has risen. Jesus is alive. He reigns over his church all over the world. Think of that. And we are the church, and if you're a believer in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you and the presence of God in the midst of his people. He is in our midst, and God is speaking from his word, right? And he is leading by his word and his spirit. So this message is going to drill in a little deeper to one of the points we made last week about the voice. And talking about following the voice of Jesus is in the metaphor he uses to describe himself as being a shepherd. And one of the metaphors in the book of Ephesians that we're going to get back to, uh, and, and there are metaphors in the book of Ephesians, right? And they're what? What are they? The metaphors are, wow, you guys are... Whew, making progress. They're real. One of them is that we're a flock, and we, we are about listening to the voice. Um, as we walk with the Lord, we should be able to, at the end of next year, look back and mark out measurably where the Lord spoke to us, guided us, and directed us as a church and as individuals. So we're going to get into that today. But what I hope is... Um, just as intensely sobering last week's message was about the, the enemy, I hope just as intense that was sobering us up, this one will be just as powerful to encourage us. Because one of the most comforting passages in the Bible, in the entire Word of God, one of the most well-known passages, quoted, prayed, held as an anchor of the soul, is the 23rd Psalm. The 23rd Psalm goes like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul. He guides my path in righteousness for his name's sake, and yes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff comfort me. You prepare a table for me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. So surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Would you just close your eyes for a second? Open your heart. And just recognize the presence of our great shepherd in this place. 
Jesus, we revere you. We revere your presence. We're not in a hurry. We're not in a fast food drive through approach this morning. Jesus, we bow before you and we put our hearts near the chest of the Lord. We desperately need to hear from you. And I'm desperate that you would use me. You know I can't do anything. I am nothing. I have nothing to boast in, nothing to point to. We need you from the pulpit to the back row, everybody. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Break me, melt me, mold me, fill me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us this morning. In the name above every name, Jesus. Amen? I want to get real about this passage. What comforts me to know is that David also wrote other psalms. And David didn't always feel like he felt when he wrote Psalm 23. And I'm glad. I'm glad I can find passages that I can relate with where David feels like he's falling in a bottomless pit. Have you ever felt like that? I love it that there are psalms that he wrote where he feels like he's going to go insane. I've done that and come back around. Have you? Not really, but you ever feel that way? I like that he wrote Psalms that there are times when he feels like God has let him down. And I like it that he wrote Psalms that describe the intensity of his guilt when he knows he let God down. And I'm also glad that he gets raw and real and expresses to God that there are times in his life that he'd like to drop a nuclear bomb on somebody. I think that's part of the reason why God loved him so. Because he never blew any smoke up the Lord. He just was real and raw. I'm so glad that God gives us the whole picture. God's grace is constant even when I'm not. God's grace is constant even when my life situations change when I don't want them to. His faithfulness is even faithful when I fail. And he's faithful when my faith is lost. I can't find it. He's solid when my emotions are shaky and shifty and shifting. But I'm also glad that David pens this, and what we know about this is David must have been in a good place. This is writing from a man well-fed and well-led, and he has great clarity. Have you ever realized when you're well-fed and well-led, you have a lot better clarity than when you feel like the whole thing's about to crash? Now, for those of you who read the Bible and you see these guys as just superstar heroes that are basically spiritual giants even without God, I got good news for you. I wrote this little thing to myself when I was feeling 
Thankful that God is constant when I'm not, but also realizing that the psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, doesn't mean the following. I wrote this. You can use it if you want. And if someone critiques you for posting it on Facebook, just don't blame me. The Lord is my shepherd, so my spouse and I will never fight. The Lord is my shepherd, so my pathway will always be bright. The Lord is my shepherd, so I will never throw up. The Lord is my shepherd, my anger will never blow up. It doesn't mean that. The Lord is my shepherd, so my body will always be fit. The Lord is my shepherd, so I'll never have stinky armpits or have a zit. Do they still call them zits? That's what we called them back in the day. Ugh. Oh, I could tell you a story about on time. The Lord is my shepherd, and I'm always in the flow. The Lord is my shepherd. I'll never have to take chemo. Doesn't mean that. The Lord is my shepherd, so I'll always be happy. The Lord is my shepherd, so my moods will never be ugly and snappy. The Lord is my shepherd, so my marriage will always be great. The Lord is my shepherd, and my sports teams will always dominate. Did you, don't you wish? Don't you wish you could claim? Any Steeler fans in here? I got news for you. Oh, man. Uh, tonight's going to be, uh, well, Dustin is a prophet. You know that. Oh, I have more brilliance to share with you. Let's see what else I wrote. Did I write anything else? Yeah, I did. The Lord is my shepherd, so my preaching will always rock. The Lord is my shepherd, my preaching will always beat the clock. People have been praying that for me for 30 years. 30 years! Lord Jesus. And nobody who's ever worked in nursery or children's church has ever walked up to me and said, brother, just let it go. We don't care how long it is. It's only the people that don't work in nursery and children's church that are that spiritual. I'll go down after I've preached the long, never-ending sermon and kind of like look into the room and see the children's church workers go, you you ought to be glad I'm saved. That's right. Dear Jesus, help me, Lord. I try. Here I go. See, it's already... David is not saying life won't be hard. David is not saying that he'll always live on the mountaintop. All you have to do is flip uh, two psalms back, and he says, one psalm back, one back. God, why have you forsaken me? One back. But what I love is that David has this relationship, and you and I have it. He has it with you, whether you have it with him or not, if you're a believer, that regardless of what is happening or isn't happening in your life, he is passionately longing to feed your soul. And he is staying committed to you through it all. We have a covenant-keeping shepherd, Jesus King, who in blood has made a solemn oath to you and me, backed by the Spirit and the faithfulness of the saints that have written about it, and the Father who declares it so. We have someone with us, before us, and behind us 
and this passage that we can pack into the travel pack of our heart. And let me break it down for you today. As I travel ahead first, grace, grace helps me hold to a declared decision that I've made. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He gives me the power and the grace. He's revealed who this is about. He is my shepherd. He is king, he is creator, he is judge, he's all that. But he is my shepherd. Who? Yahweh. The God who spoke all things into being. The God who rescued Israel from 400 years of bondage by the blood of a lamb and by the power of the rod that Moses held up. And he parts the Red Sea and promises them a land. He is my shepherd and yours. Who laid down his life for us. The manner of love and commitment that he has is based on blood and a willingness to do what we would never do for him. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It says he is my shepherd. Of course he's Billy Graham's shepherd. Of course his mother Teresa's shepherd. Of course he's the great scholar's shepherd. Of, sure, of course he's the great shepherd of the great mega pastors all around America and the world and the missionaries that have changed nations. But it says he's my Shepherd, And why you can feel like he's yours is because, listen, again, we have a record of psalm after psalm of a man who's saying this, who the, the psalm before, he says, where are you? Why have you left me? And other times he's saying, kill them and their mother. And he's, God, I've sinned worse than I, I deserve to die. That kind of a relationship guy gives me the hope he doesn't want me to want to go kill people and have their. He doesn't want me to go into deep, tragic sin. But God has made a solemn covenant of faithfulness. He is my shepherd. And the words are in a present tense form in the Hebrew. It means that it is in the present, in real time, right now. Is. And what I love is Jesus looked at the Pharisees who were uh, fake shepherds. And he said, no one can take my life from me. I lay it down on my own free will, and I have the power to take it up again. And I love that because when he rose, do you know that? Do you know that? Up from the grave he arose. With a, it's not even Easter, and we can preach on the resurrection. What a thought. What a thought. Imagine talking about the birth of Jesus beyond Christmas. Are we allowed? The I am statements that he made in AD 27 to 30, 32, whatever, bicker and fight over what the dates actually were, it doesn't matter. He actualized the I am statements for every year of life from now till the king comes back. I am this, I am, I am the good shepherd. He is in the I am business of shepherding my life and your life. 50 hours from now, 50 days from now, 50 weeks from now, 50 years from now. That little boy that stood next to me, my grandson, Graham Slam McGregor, looked up at me while Brad was jamming, and he goes, I like that box. And then he said, I'll be right back. I'm going to go help Josh up in the thing. I said, do you want to come up with me? And he looked up in the sound booth and looked at me and didn't say anything. He didn't want to come with me. Josh is his man now. Josh Thrasher's his man. But you know what? I love seeing these kids. 
For five minutes, they're into it. The next five minutes, they're knocking each other and swirling around and running down before it's time. You know what? That used to be me. Memorial Heights Baptist Church. I listened for about 15 seconds and then thought about my lineup for the Minnesota Vikings and thought about all that. But God got a hold of my life. He's going to get a hold of your life. He's going to get a hold of our lives. He's going to get a hold of our kids' lives. You know why? Because he's in the shepherding business. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's keep going. Second point about this traveling ahead and the grace in all this. Grace can create communal intimacy in stillness and simplicity. God says, be still and know that I am God. Look at how this breaks down in the process of verses 2 and 3. I, 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 I want you to see the first word. He makes, he leads, he restores, he guides. He makes, he leads. It's personal. And then look at the me, me, me. My, me, he leads, he makes, he restores, he guides. It's a process of communal intimacy with him that leads us into stillness and and simplicity. He makes me lie down in green pastures, not in the mud, not in the dirt, in green, plush pastures. I saw this in a dream one time. Green pastures, quiet waters, still waters. Um, The the literal Hebrew says quiet streams. Have you ever just gone out and just sat by a quiet stream? Nothing like it, is there? You just, yeah, you just get away from all the mishmash and all the, and you're just there and it just, that's the picture. In quiet, I can see better. In quiet, I can hear better. That is so contrary to our lives, isn't it? Even in church, even in ministry, it's get there. It's nothing about enjoying the journey too. It's about having to arrive, and that's not good. And then there's something better and something more and something this and something that. Just about the time you think you bought the best toothpaste, the next time you watch a commercial, it's new and improved that. So now you got to go get that one. You can't just enjoy what you got. As soon as you get your, the iPhone you have, there's another one. So yours isn't any good anymore because now there's one better and you don't have it. And it's everything. Well, how many do you have in your church? I always say coming or going. Well, what about that? Well, if you got this one, you might get that. You break this time, break that barrier, break this barrier. Philip Keller is Allison here today? Allison asked me about the book I quoted last week. Here's another one. If you're, Philip Keller wrote a book, classic book, a long time ago called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. This shepherd, a Christian guy, shepherded his whole life, and he was just going to unpack Psalm 23. Here's what he says. Uh, he says, sheep do not lie down easily and will not unless four conditions are met. Because they are timid, they will not lie down if they're afraid. Because they're social animals, they will not lie down if there is friction among the sheep. If flies or parasites trouble them, they will not lie down. Finally, if sheep are anxious about food, they will not lie down. Rest comes because the shepherd has dealt with fear, friction, flies, famine. 
And in his grace, he wants to create a communal intimacy in stillness and simplicity. God says, be still. Be still. I have rarely heard God clearly in a drive-by, drive-through, fast food approach. There's a process. He makes me lie down. He leads me quiet streams. That restores my mind, my will, my emotions. He guides me. I want to talk about that guiding process when it's the real shepherd. This is different than religious spirits. This is different than, than, uh, than the press and the strive. I saw a youth group call themselves strive, and I thought, golly, man, strive? Poor kids. It's not about strive. It's about arriving in a place of acceptance with God and then the rest of your life enjoying the journey, growing His grace guides and doesn't drive, nor guilt me into a path. He guides. He doesn't guilt toward the word or guilt toward the water or guilt toward church attendance. He guides or guilt toward doing something that we're supposed to do. That's not the way he does it. It's the way religion can do it, but it's not the way the master does it, not the way the sheriff. He personally speaks to us. He he prompts us. He likes to create moments to meet us sometimes, and sometimes it's even in surprising ways. Jesus isn't a sprinter. He's He's a walker. He's a walker. Jesus isn't on a treadmill. He says, I my yoke is easy. My burden is light. He talks to us from the word and the inner voice of the Holy Spirit. So we, could, we, could, we need to say, speak, Lord, I, I'm listening. Something else about the, what, he, what he does. He, he, uh, he guides me in the paths of righteousness. Why does he do it? What's it say? For why? For his namesake. Uh, stay with me on this. His grace path, his grace path, grace path, his grace path creates in its environment the nature of the one who takes me there. Just think about it for a minute. This paths of righteousness for his namesake, I I just began to just kind of like stay in that for a while when I was writing this. And it started to break something new to me. Believe what you want, but this is what I'm, I'm seeing. It's not so much about where you go, but what you're becoming. Now, we all know the Lord does guide us sometimes from one place to another. He's done that with me. He's done it with many of you. From one job to another, uh, from one church to another. There's some people in our town, it seems like they get guided from one church to another their whole Christian life. I've seen the Holy Spirit, if it's really the Holy Spirit, say some really crazy things. Let somebody hear, and you let them there, and let them back, and viva, viva, boop, I don't think he's that way. 
With all that said, there are times he leads us, guides us. We go from one to another, and sometimes that's the right thing to do. Sometimes it's the Lord. But you know what I found also is where you go, that's where you are. How many of you know that you can change a position or a profession that doesn't make you more like Jesus? How many of you know you can get out of one relationship, try to find another one, and when you, open, when you get in the bathroom in the morning, you look in the mirror, you're there too. I believe this about guiding me in paths of righteousness for his namesake has something more to do with what I believe this means. I believe this phrase refers to character transformation more than a shift of a geographical location. And my key to understanding is the phrase, for his name's sake. When Jesus says, you can ask the Father anything in my name and I'll do it, it doesn't mean you can ask any kind of crazy, stupid thing and put Jesus' name on the end of it and God's going to go, whoop, you got me. Got to do that because you put the Jesus magic words on it. You said in the name of Jesus. So there, I know this will kill you, but you asked and you said Jesus' name. No, I think it's like Jacob dressed like Esau when daddy loved Esau and he thought it was Esau, so he blessed him. When we come in the nature of Jesus, the father answers the prayer because Jesus wouldn't ask something crazy like that. He goes, you want to guarantee Let me change you into me. Paths of righteousness for his namesake. In other words, when I show up, he should show up. So he creates, this is grace, by the way. This is a good thing, by the way. He wants to take me some places where a lot of me has to stay on the other side. And he wants, he's, they, this, Tim, this, this time we go through this storm, this, sea, this season, you, that suitcase, can't take that. That mindset, that attitude, now that's, I've created this. This isn't the, son, this isn't the devil. This, this is me. You've been, you've been rebuking me. No, no, I'm trying to grace you. I'm trying to melt the monster down. So, I believe that he is guiding me and you in our lives in a manner that as we walk in a real path of righteousness, it's not like, oh, God, should I go to Walmart at 7 or at 9? Please show me, Lord. Should I work at Sheets or should I work at Dollar General? We don't have much other choices. Should I work at Shh? I don't think that's God. I'm sick of me. I'm sick of me showing up. When the going gets tough, Tim shows up. Eh. Right? I'm sick of that church. I'm going to a church where I get fed. So you go to that next church, and that guy or girl, whoever preaches the stuff that made you mad to leave the last one. Because if you're his sheep, he's covenanted to stay in your face until you cry out for grace. 
It's not always the devil. I saw the devil the other day down at the end of the street. He was crying. I said, what's wrong, devil? He said, you guys blame me for everything. The devil of stale bread, the devil of toothache pain. Nah, just need to brush your teeth more. So righteousness with God is not about checking all the box and doing all the right thing and being nasty with your friends, right? Jesus said, hey, if you're coming into the worship gathering, if you're coming to worship night, and right before you say, more of you, Lord, he says, remember your friend? you're out of fellowship with? Leave your more of me stuff. Did he say that? I was having coffee with Sophocles the other day, and he told me, he said, how terrible is information when it brings no profit to the one that's informed? And I said, wow, that's deep. That reminds me of me so much in my ministry where I preached way out over my skis. And people actually thought I was as righteous as the sermons I gave. Our shepherd's intention in navigating our lives has more to do with molding the destiny of our character than us arriving in comfort at another location. My path of rightness, if the... If the, if the shepherd's working in me, if my path of rightness will manifest relational rightness that will exceed the righteous knowledge I acquire doctrinally. When he is creating a path of righteousness, he is going to right me relationally more with him and others. I was nosing into a Facebook conversation yesterday. Somebody that has, I know has one of the most gentle, sweet spirits of anybody I know had posted something about the concern for people that are sick in the hospitals with, you know, the unmentionable thing that if you say it, and then, and then, of course, someone has to come in there and start the deal, and down you go. And I just watched it happen. And it broke my heart because people that I know were just ripping each other's guts out. And about the time that I began to sanctify myself and, and judge them, the Lord reminded me that I used to do that all the time. And I could still do it. And I even felt like doing it, reading it. Because I knew the person they were attacking, and I liked that person, and I know that they were mis being misrepresented. Then I heard one of you guys, or I saw one of you guys post something uh, over the past week that, you, uh, that I, I, I know you a little bit. I don't know you a lot of bit, but what I know about you, I really respect. And, and, and you put on there about uh, people questioning your salvation over something, and I thought, I want to punch that person. I don't even know that. And I don't mean the person they're questioning. That thing, right? I don't like that. But then I realized, and God just dealt with me. He said, you, do, you used to do that all the time, like a blind fool. And remember when you got sick of yourself doing it? I did. I got sick of myself. I thought, what kind of person am I turning into on social media? And I repented with all my soul before God. But it's still ready to jump in. You know why? Because I know everything. Don't you? I'm an expert on COVID. 
I'm an expert on political things. I'm an expert on everything except myself. I, can t- I used to be able to tell you what Hannity said and what Tucker said and what the, the other groups said and all that, but I didn't know half the people that lived on my street. Don't know if they need anything. Don't know if they're hurting. Don't know if they have friends. But I know everything about the guy in Seattle, Washington that said something stupid and would have been... Right? He wants to... See, if we're still and then we're in simplicity... We're quiet, peaceful streams. I'll tell you what, Twitter is a sewer. It's not a peaceful stream. I'll say it over this side. Twitter is a sewer. It's not a peaceful stream. And neither is Facebook. All of it. And we're not done. As I travel ahead... And remember, I, I'm, I, you come out to hear me preach to me, okay? You just, and as long as you're here, I'm going to keep going. If you leave, then I'll know I'm done. Grace reveals covenant security in all conditions. One of the reasons we're spouting off everything else, we're, we're, all, we're all afraid of a, of a world that's lost its mind and wants to take yours. Grace reveals covenant security in all conditions. Remember, our shepherd is Yahweh, by the way. Yahweh. And our shepherd, Jesus, is a real-time warrior. And he has a protection plan that beats everything, and David has proved it in his life. Have you read the story of David? Have you ever had anybody plotting to assassinate you? And had an army? And you didn't? He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Now, again, he is well-fed, and he's drinking the water, and he's in a clear, clear space, and he's writing this. And what he is saying is, I'll need to go back to this sometime when I'm losing my mind and scared to death of everything. That's a travel pack message. I am giving you this message for me and you because there are days up the road when we're going to want to drop the nuke, when we're going to think God's left us, where we've sinned too much, nobody's there, nobody cares, and we need to come back and pull this baby out and go, Yahweh is my shepherd. That's why I'm preaching this. For now, but for March and next September. You have a couple passages like, a, like a, a nitro pill that if you have heart problems, that you keep by you and when the heart attacks come in or whatever, you just pop that baby in and then you can at least, at least get to a, uh, to a the hospital. That's what these are for. Got a couple more to go. When I walk through the valley, I feel, for why, for why, for why? Because you are with me. Here is the thing. When David was at his lowest, he was, God was still with him. When David didn't know from right to left, God was still with him. When he was feigning insanity and having spittle go down his beard to keep himself alive, God was with him. He'll be with you. He is with you. He's with me. Shh. Has he ever surprised you? 
when you feel like there is no reason why you should be with me, God. And he goes, hi. Have you ever felt like you messed it up so bad? And in that context, he brings some of the greatest gifts. Huh? His promises, he promises protection. Let's go to the next one. He promises protection in and through by presence. I will be with you. And, you know, when I had coffee with Sophocles, Aristotle was there, and he pulled up, and he said, you know, there's something about sheep. He said, a sheep is a foolish and sluggish creature, apt to always wander and never feel like he is and will never return. A sheep can make no shift to save itself from tempests or inundation. It just stands there until it perishes, if not pulled back by the shepherd. I said, Ari, are you saying that the security of our lives is directly related not to our presence, but his passion to keep us? He said, you're making progress, grasshopper. Alexander McLaren, ever heard of him, Ollie? Dustin? One of my favorite preachers of the past, Scottish man. He said, the rod and the staff seem to be two names for one instrument. And I love this, how he says it. Which was used both to beat off the predators, come on, Jesus, and direct the sheep. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. You're with me, and your rod and your staff comfort me. I know somebody's big, and somebody's going to take care of me, and somebody's got my back, somebody's got my front. Let me keep going. He, he provides protection in and through, not only by presence, but by provision. I love this. You, who is it? It's Yahweh. It's Yahweh. It's not a representative of Yahweh. It's him. It's Jesus. You prepare a table before who? Me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Listen, my brothers and my sisters, I didn't want to scare you to death last week talking about the enemy. But he's real. And we're in a war. This is not a casual stroll through the sunshine. There is a lion. And I wanted to sober you up about this walk. But with that said, while the enemy schemes and strategizes against me, against you. Someone greater is in this thing with us. Someone greater. In real time, for real, in deep, passionate relationship, in blood for us, is preparing a table even in the presence of our enemies. You prepare a table before me. I have been praying for you like I've never prayed for you before. And I've been asking God, 
it happened last year when COVID really started hitting, and I was, I was praying, and I, we couldn't get together, and I, my heart was breaking and trying to make decisions and make a decision to close, and I'd get messages from people behind the scenes saying that I caved and was leading our church into fear, and I wasn't patriotic, and blah, 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 blah. It reminded me after I preached that message about Black Lives Matter, I had people telling me that, that I was uh, dabbling into Marxism, and I thought, <laughs> you don't know me. I'm Sam Adams' cousin. You, 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 I'm Sam Adams' patriot drinking Sam Adams. I, I mean, I'm, I, Marxism, uh, no, no, you'll never, uh, no. And, and, and all that was gone. I was like, God, the world's gone nuts, and please keep us from nuts. I don't mean people, but keep us from going nuts. Um, and he reminded me of the time I was watching the movie Pearl Harbor at, at the movie theater a long time ago in the early 2000s, and Ben Affleck's playing the role of this guy, the great fighter pilot, and he's fighting with his buddy over a girl, waking up from a drunken stupor. When they wake up with a drunken stupor, the Japanese are attacking their base, killing people, destroying the whole naval fleet. And he, he looks at his friend, and they no longer hate each other. They're in, a, they're in a war now. They no longer are fighting over stupid stuff. They're in a war now. They're in a war. And he looks at him and says, Danny, get me to a plane. In other words, I'm good at one thing, and for my part in the war is now. And that hit me, and I thought, God, that's what I want to do. This is my plane. This is my plane. I want God to use every gift I have in my life, as long as I have the time to, to strengthen you, to comfort you, to establish you, to challenge you. But I also want to say that I'm thankful for all the encouragement and kindness that you've given to me. In this family of believers, there's like nowhere else. And God's goodness has surrounded my life because you have surrounded my life, and I want to surround yours. I can't be everywhere with everyone, but this is my plane. Show up. Because I've vowed to God and I re-vowed to you in the midst of this war, I'll give you everything I got. But I don't know how to fix your transmission. And I don't know how to plan out your life. But I have this. You stick with it. Put this in your travel pack. He's going to change you into his image more and more, regardless of what happens. I, I think about my grandson. I think about my grandkids and your kids and all these precious kids. And I told you a couple weeks ago, I lost my peace about a month ago when I began to just allow the things that were going on in the world again. The Afghanistan thing was going on. And I was thinking of all this crazy stuff, and I let it get to me, and, uh, and I became fearful. And, and, uh, and, and I, I got down in my, in my place before the Lord, and, and this is what I did. I, I reminded the Lord how terrible it is down here and how crazy people are and how some of the educators and influencers of our age have gone completely nuts, and they're going to be over my grandkids. And how that people are calling darkness light bittersweet, and thinking, I told him how susceptible that makes my kids, my grandkids, that how susceptible that's going to make our church with the enemy after our kids, and the Lord interrupted me, and he said, Tim, I sure hope I'm up for the task. You have me worried. 
And you say, if God didn't tell you, yeah, yes, he did. Woke me right up with a joke. I think Jesus has a sense of humor. He's not as worried as I am. He has a plan. You know what he's going to do? Well, these kids, he's going to put a table between, with two seats, him and them. And if the devil comes up near him, like Louis Giglio says, if he brings your past into your present at that table, tell him he doesn't have a seat and tell him to go off and search how far is the east from the west and get back to you. We win. There is a faithfulness greater than yours. There's a faithfulness greater than your best faithful friend. There is a faithfulness greater than the things you've been through, the, the, the promises you've made, even when you break them, even when you can't make them. He is faithful. He is Lord. He is shepherd from the least to the greatest in the covenant of blood. Come on, somebody. Come on. Yeah. So he led me to Isaiah 54, and he said, Tim, all your sons will be taught by the Lord, and the well-being of your sons. See, that's the covenant. When you get shaky, go in your co get your covenant out. What's it say? Who's saying it? Yahweh is saying it. No weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn, for this is the inheritance of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication is from me says the Lord. Mm. All right, I'm ready to close. He anoints my head with oil, my cup. I'm ready to close. I'm not mean I'm going to, but I, I'm ready to, but I'm, I'm ready to, ready to. Um, Keller says in his book about the anointing of the head with oil. I didn't know this. Shepherds would anoint sheep's heads so that they wouldn't get infested with ticks and bugs because it can create such an extreme irritation and itching that those sheep will literally bash their heads into rocks until they kill themselves. And just Selah that for a minute, that Hebrew word in the Psalms. Selah means stop and think about that. Think about that in terms of kids and people with all that's been going on all the parasitic influences mentally buffeting the brains of people right now. And then people will say, God's just shown me a revelation. Church attendance isn't really important. See, when we come together, God moments bond hearts. When we come together, the oil flows from the Spirit of God down. Have you ever been away in isolation and you started getting buggy in your thinking again? And then you kind of miss weeks and then you come back into the house of the Lord. You know, one of the psalmists said, you know, I got away from the house of the Lord and I began to envy the wicked. I began to look at their life compared to mine and thinking, well, they're all right. Because until I went back into the house of the Lord and I found out the final destination of the wicked... See, when you're out, you can get out. And when you're out and you're even in a Lone Ranger isolation ship with you and Jesus, you and Jesus, some of the craziest things I've ever heard have come from people that disassociated with churches and fellowships and other things, and, they all, and then they heard something new about Jesus. But see, the oil, the spirit that comes down in the fellowship of the saints 
Get your reasoning back. You're a sheep and you know, you know for a fact how crazy train your brain can be like mine when you're in isolation and alone and you're not in the presence of brothers and sisters in God moments where the oil is falling corporately on us. It says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as you see the day approaching. Solitary confinement can make your brain go buggy. We need to find our people and get with our people. And that's how he fills our cup. And that's how he lets the oil flow. Now I'll close. Final. Would you stand, please? Listen to this. Uh, this is going to be my last slide, guys. No, actually, this one, and then I'm going to jump to the, over the, the one about the learn to and hit, uh, hit John 10. Listen to this. Look at this. Surely, can you say it? Surely, surely, goodness and loving kindness will what? Follow you all the days of your life. And then, to top it off, then you'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Coming up behind me, and I, this is what blows me away about the Lord. This isn't a message to give me license or you license or liberty to go out and just not listen to God and mess up your life and all that stuff. I'm not, that is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, you know, sheep and, and, and God's people, like look at David, look at Simon Peter, look at, look at Moses, look at these people. There are times and seasons of life that... You can look at them outside of what they're going through and think, you know, you shouldn't have done that. And there are some people that have gone through things and you look at them and you have, and you know, you're not, maybe you're, maybe the people that have all the answers aren't as a threat to the devil as the people that are going through the storms. And so when you get on the other side of the wreckage or the storm or the situation and you wonder, what now, what this, here's, here's the thing that David knows. It happened to him over and over and over again. Goodness and loving kindness, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a blood word about kinship. Loving kindness is the deepest word in the Hebrew language in the Bible called hesed. It's where we get the term grace from, but it means this. It means Regardless of what is going on in this person's life, that is my family, that's my blood, and I am kinned and covenanted to bring them through. That is what God promises you. Yes, we make promises. Yes, we make commitments. Yes, we get devoted. But let me tell you who will always out-devote you. Jesus. Simon, you think... You're going to win over the next few hours, and you vow with the depth of your heart that if everybody turns away, you won't, and you'll even die with me. And I know you mean it. And because I know you mean it, I've already gone into deep intercession for you. Because what Satan is going to mean for evil, I'm going to take you through a path of righteousness. And when you come out the other side, you won't be boasting anymore of your commitment to theirs, you're going to be saying to me, I need you every hour. And that's all I need.
so I'm going to follow up behind your denial with assured goodness and mercy to you. Does anybody think that you'd love a little bit of that kind of Jesus in your life for this year? Here's what you do. Last verse. Here's what you do. How do you get into this? Here's what Jesus says to all of us. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and my own sheep know me. He knows you. He knows, he knows if, you're not a, if you haven't said yes yet, but you're here. He knows. He got you here. You think you came here on your own? No one can come to, to Jesus unless the Father draws them. He's drawing you. He put an aching in your heart, a hunger in your soul for something, but it's really a someone, and you didn't know that. Now you do. He's making that real. You're hearing his voice. I lay down my life. He laid his life down for you and me. That's how into this he is for us. I, my sheep hear my voice. What do you do? What is Christianity? Christianity is not keeping rules. It's not show me the kind of a, a, a Christ, a, a music I can listen to and what I can't. You can do that and not even know God. Christianity is hearing the voice. Always lines up with here and going to it. And you go to it, and you develop trust. All he wants is trust. All he wants is trust. All he wants is trust. He's not interested in your performance. He wants trust. God, I trust you. I throw my whole life into the mercy of Jesus. He'll make you. They follow me. That's what you do. If this morning it's the first time he's speaking to your heart, you know how you follow him? You say yes to him right now. Jesus, I'm, I, I want you to shepherd my life. I can't shepherd my life. I'm a sheep. I don't even know I'm lost. Now I do. Please shepherd my life. You say that prayer. That's simple. You're in. I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. So if you're already in, let me remind you today. The covenant is based between the Father and the Son, and because you trust the Son, you get in that covenant. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. But that doesn't mean He's stamping and approving everything in your life. It's about getting up close and listening, and that takes time. It's not drive-through. It's not drive-through. It's an intense transparency because you trust Him. You trust what He says. Heavenly Father, I pray all over this room right now that a great, great spirit of covenant awareness would, would be revealed to your people. I pray for people that have never said yes to you right now, that you would quicken their will to will to believe that Jesus is their shepherd. If that's you with heads bowed in prayer going on, would you wave at me? Would you just lift your hand up front to back? Pastor Tim, pray for me. I want today to be the day that I say yes. Yep, I see you. Anyone else? Today, the yes. Yes. Anyone else? I, I don't want, I'm not looking for religion. I'm looking for the real Jesus. And I feel like he's talking to me. I want to know him today. Uh, raise your hand. I'll pray with you. Father, in the name of Jesus, for everybody that's praying that prayer, reaching out to you. We pray you'd reach out to them and send the power of the gospel with much assurance that the gift of righteousness would be implanted into their soul and they would begin to hear the voice of the Lord in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for this congregation that we would be able to look back 
at the end of 2022 and we would have a track record of the faithfulness of God that we wouldn't be the same people we are today because you've made us into something you've fed us you've led us how many of you like me say I don't want to I, I don't want to live guilted I want to I, I want to live prompted I want to hear the voice of the Lord in my life I want to meet with God I want to have some really heart-to-heart meetings with Jesus anyone like that raise your hand why don't we take a, why don't we do that right now why don't we find a place just before we go anywhere if you stay your seat fine whatever and, 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 and sometimes, listen, sometimes, sometimes I've done this before. Uh, God's talking to me, then I got caught up in the song, and I just started singing lyrics of a song instead of talking to God. Right? We don't want what we do to distract you from what God's trying to do with you right now. So if the song fits, wear it. But if God's talking to you about something that, that you got to make a, you got to turn, you got to just go there. These altars are open. These altars are open for just common people. It's not just for dra- drastic sinners. It's, it, it's for hungry, needy, all of us. People in storms, people in struggles, people in a lo- time where they're alone and they need friends and brothers and they need the touch of God. It's for anyone. You can come and pray here where you are, but I just ask you, be still for a moment and know Him. May I bless you in the name of Jesus. We're doing so.